Enjoy the inspiration and the introspection on the River Rain Show. Hi there, I'm Catherine Allen. I'm your host, and I'm a clairvoyant medium, astrologer, and I'm the author of a book called A Little Bit of Intuition. On the River Rain Show, I like to help empower people. I like to help you go deeper. I like to help you think of things in a new way that might shift your paradigm. A lot of people feel that they're on a crossroads uh, when they come to spiritual things. And I like to help you by taking you a little bit into your truer feelings, trusting your gut about your situation, helping you with how to make healthy decisions when you're at these crossroads, all with the perspective or the lens of metaphysical and spiritual information that comes with it. So I play a wide variety of music from all different eras. I might play some um, TV show themes. I might read some poetry or some quotes, all meant to consolidate the theme and to empower you to trust yourself. When you trust yourself, your life will flow. The more you learn to trust yourself more intimately, the more your life will flow and the more the magic will happen. And that's what I genuinely want for everybody. So welcome to the River Rain Show.
there. Welcome back to the River Rain Show after a short or maybe long hiatus. <laughs> I have a wonderful guest for you tonight. And uh, we are on the precipice of the full moon and partial solar eclipse on the 19th at like, uh, yeah, 3.47 a.m. Eastern Time. So it might be slightly different depending where you're listening from. But uh, most of us will be asleep when the eclipse hits. So you might have some stellar dreams <laughs> that evening. Um, it's going to be a doozy, folks. Um, as I look at the chart briefly, we've got the moon. Nah, sort of close to Uranus, but not really conjunct. So that's a good thing, by the way. Um, because that would make your nerves just jangle. Um, Uranus and Taurus, I've been saying, has been, it's like little earthquakes. Everything's stable. We want it stable. We don't want things to change very much, please. And then, boom, it's going to change. And it's on a very earthy, physical, material level that it changes. You can't just bury it in the back of your mind or space out. It is physical. It's, you know, the way we order our lives and our finances and our um, our bank accounts, our gardens, our, you know, our living spaces, our physical bodies. It's, it's usually pretty physical with Taurus. So it's good that it's not right on top of Uranus there, but it is very close to the North Node, which is in Gemini. That's interesting then, because some people might feel you know, a pull towards their soul's direction. Um, and as I said, it's a good, good moon, good time of, uh, for dreams. So pay real attention to your dreams over the next week. I find the energy's already started a week, a week beforehand. I'm just when I say that, I mean, um, feeling a buildup coming, feeling a sense of, um, a change in the air, stronger than usual, feeling um, a lot of aches and pains. It's a very physical moon, as I said, and I'm hearing a lot of people complaining of sudden physical pain, aches and pains. So that that's how it's going to roll. Now, full moons are always opposite the sun. So on the opposite side of that, we have a cluster of planets in Scorpio, but this is all activating and opposing. So the south node, Sun, Mercury, and Mars. Yikes! So I'm going to delve into this much more. If you want to check out YouTube, I do a full moon and new moon report. I do the astrology in depth. I do the tarot of this full moon, and I give a reading for each sign. So um, I think it's a good time to bring on our guest with these topics because it's a time of transformation when Scorpio and Taurus, you know, oppose each other a couple times a year. Um, both very strong, both very fixed signs. And um, squaring off here with a couple of planets in Aquarius. Squares mean, you know, intensity. They mean um, sometimes culmination of passion or even you know, conflict that leads to a change. Um, you might have moments of enough is enough. 
maybe um, there's all kinds of breakthroughs can happen and also a lot of tension can happen before things build up and you have a breakthrough too, right? So our guest tonight is uh, perfect for this because he is an intuitive, he's a qualified therapist, and he's a well-being coach. Um, He's a fellow medium and a psychotherapist. So an interesting person during these interesting times. His name is Jeremy Turner Welch. And if you want to get in touch with him, uh, before, after, during, whenever you feel inspired, his website is www.everywherewegrow.net. So, as usual, I'm going to play a lead-in song. This is one that he chose and suggested. And then we're going to head straight into the interview with Jeremy. Paz. 
papa darukuye mobili kodi ofonye ah hilene la muluku moso inde buruye kodoyini sanka noi kana wa kanto ede la muluku moso yo sakene moso circumstances I have allowed that to develop and how it was naturally used um, but it wasn't until many many years later that I decided I wanted to to really formally work with it and, and train with it and and understand it better and harness it um, so that it could be a benefit not just to myself but also to other people um, so it's, it feels like it's been this really 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 long learning curve that's followed my my own spiritual development and understanding as well even from a young child trying to make sense of the world and in terms of this trying to make sense of the religion that i was born into and did i believe that and and how i was positioned within it and what, what made sense and dreams that would come to me when i was very very young about consciousness and i could i could imagine in this dream my consciousness was getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and smaller but it just got to this point where it didn't vanish and it was from this very early age that I, I had this sense that our consciousness doesn't ever die mm. that there is mm. something after we've we've left this physical body and there's something that we're also bringing in with us um, when we incarnate when we're born into this life so mm. I had this very early sense of an afterlife something else that was going on um, that led to me uh, writing uh, the most I think probably if I look back now, a hilarious uh, play at school called The Game of Life. Ah. And this was purely based on, on my intuitive sense because it didn't come from my background. It didn't come from the religious upbringing that I had grown up in. Mm -hmm. um, and it was 
my understanding of where our souls went and where our spirit went in between lives and how did we choose and what was it that we were choosing before we incarnated and where did we go and how is this all uh, navigated how old were you at the time oh i would have been 14 wow. when i wrote this 14 15 um and it was because in in our in the school there were these different sort of team houses and we had this drama thing so every team of house had to produce something but i mean if you could just imagine sort of cynical 14 50 year olds who really don't want to be there on a stage underneath sheets and bits of lighting and ladders falling it was it was hysterical probably and lots of you know sounds being made but there was something about it that even from that early age um located me within this sense that there was something beyond this world mm. i didn't fully understand it um i didn't really necessarily feel prepared uh for being in this world in some ways it felt like quite an alien harsh place to kind of be in and try and navigate which i think is something a lot of us can relate to on different levels um but it really was from that that my my journey to make sense of my life that the challenges in my life which started, as I said, from this from a spiritual perspective, mm -hmm. um, and then it kind of worked its way down, um, took me on this huge, huge long journey mm -hmm. that I think really culminated in, as I say, in my formal training as a psychic and, and medium 10 years ago. Mm. Um, so it's in, in some ways it's relatively recent, even though those gifts and those skills were maybe there in different ways. Yeah. So did you see anything any spirits appear or do you feel you had any visitation or guide experiences even when you were young or that that came later no there was always no no i think back to a certain house i lived in every time i would cross the stairway i always had to look up there was always something someone from the corner of my eye and whenever my family would go it's one of the few things actually we ever did together we'd go sometimes to to a national trust property these really really old castles or houses mm. and i would get quite a strong sense in certain rooms and a sense of there's a young person that's around that feels that they're sort of so I, I would um it wasn't constant mm. um and it was more I think I would say at that point in terms of the spectrum it was more the psychic awareness mm -hmm. being aware of what people were weren't saying what they were feeling yeah what was going on for them without them kind of communicating that really clearly and struggling sometimes to um bridge the gap between what i'm being told and what i'm really sensing is is the true picture of something yeah so that felt that it was very pronounced very early on and, and the word oh so sensitive mm. would have been used obviously sometimes in a derogatory yes. sense but yes. it's referring i think to that that level of sensitivity that was um i think just there from the beginning yeah, yeah. i think it'd be interesting for our viewers to hear where you grew up because um you know you <laughs> where he grew up is sort of was my reason to go uh to england in the first place like a, like a pilgrimage kind of place and then i you came in and you're born there i was like this is really cool so you just you were born in such a spiritual place that i don't i just wonder how that impacted you what do you think I think it really, did. I, I think there's a reason why I was born there and why I kind of came from there. It was, what was strange about it though, is like living in this environment that somehow made sense and reflected, even on an unconscious level, because I didn't realize, you know, from a very, very yeah. early age, everything about this place and about the ley lines and about its the legends and the history and its significance. So you, 
you're engaging with it in a very, very instinctive, unconscious level. Yeah. Um, you know, running into the different landscapes, finding places to hide and to play in the places you're drawn to and the places you're not drawn to. And But I think what was significant for me was um, it wasn't until later life that any of these things were reflected in any of my relationships with other family members or, you know, sort of broadly speaking. So there was something about being fundamentally rooted in such a spiritual location mm -hmm. where that energy was a constant, mm -hmm. even if it wasn't being recognized or acknowledged or yeah. spoken about within the, the, the group setting and the family within which I grew up. Yeah. So having that in the background, I feel was, again, as I say, on an unconscious level, really helpful because it resonated with me mm -hmm. in a way in which a lot of my um, other experiences weren't. Yeah. You know, it was speaking to something. So it's it's Glastonbury we're talking about, and uh, if you know uh, about Glastonbury, there's the the tour, which has so much legend. In it. Uh, the ley lines, maybe I'll ask you to explain ley lines in a second. And then it also has the, the, the chalice well, which is what drew me. Is a, the, um, the, the well is said to be affordable. And um, I felt that very early on. It was wearing the symbol for years before I actually needed to go. Yeah. And then the, to sit in the, the ruins of Glastonbury uh, Cathedral, realize all the Avalon. And the King Arthur legends and King yep. Arthur's tomb is there. I mean, so. Although to be fair, I think there's bits of King Arthur's that are meant to be scattered in many, many places. Okay, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's so rich in in history. Um, you probably actually know, maybe in some ways, as much if not more about some aspects of that than than, than I do. Um, again, because I grew up with it without even really thinking about it or questioning it, or you know. Um, but I know, for example, that um, Joseph of Arimathea, Jesus's uncle, travelled there at one point, put his staff into the ground, and this holy thorn that would actually flower, I think it was on every 24th of December, 25th of December, every mm -hmm. year, um, was there. It's, in terms of its spiritual tradition, it's a paganism, Druid, the Druids, uh, Celtic. So it's, it's had this huge journey, and of course it was underwater at one point. So it was a point, but it was meant to be uh, one of the, the ports for Atlantis. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the whole of it, because it's, it's, um, it's peatland. Wow. So it was through digging the, what do they call those things that, you know, that make the water go away? It's, it's not bridges, uh, the ditches. It was, it's something like the okay. ditches. A moat? So yeah, the that, that sort of allow the water to kind of come down, allow the land to come back up. Oh, wow. I didn't. Yeah, and the tour itself is, is actually not, the, the church that's on the top, it's the land, which apparently is meant to be the largest naturally formed labyrinth uh, in, I think, in the world, but you know, I'm not going to, don't quote me wow. on that, because it's very easy just to kind of say that everything's the biggest or the best. Um, it's not important, but it's meant yeah. to be naturally forming. Um, and for... And can you explain the ley lines to people? Because that was a revelation to me too. I, I felt it without knowing what they were. I felt as I climbed, uh, towards the tower, I felt like I had stepped into a different realm. And I couldn't explain it. And then um, I learned later about the ley lines, and I'm still trying to wrap my head up a little bit about how that works. I mean, again, 
add to what I'm saying because um, okay. in some ways it's it's simplistic, but the, but the ley lines are energy lines that run up through right. certainly in the UK that run up through the country. Um, there are two ones that are given, I think, main names. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit like I would say in our body, we've got meridians and we've yeah. got the Nardin system, yeah. you know. So the, the meridians are the main ley lines that go up and down that connect to each of our, our organs. And, and then the Nardis are the tiny little ones, like veins and capillaries, I guess. So these main two energy lines that, that travel up through the country, I think it's the, the Michael and the Mary. Yeah. And Glastonbury and several other points in the country are points at which those two energy lines dissect. Yeah. And it's that dissection that I think has given people a sense of um, something special yeah. taking place within those two energies merging. Yeah. And, um, and I'm, it's, it's, I mean, how it links to all of the other Well, that's uh, the thing that I'm trying to figure, the thing I'm trying to figure out is how did they first identify these lines and points and, and name them to certain people? I mean, I know at one point I was at uh, Cornwall, um, St. Michael's Mount, and yeah. that converges about four of them. There's Mary's, uh, Michael, Apollo. Right. And um, powerful place. Again, on a, on a craggy, rocky hill with water around, water that recedes, and just total mythological stuff. Yeah, but um, I was just curious how they even identified those in the first place. I, I'm not putting on your spot. I'm trying to read books about it too and get it. But... I don't know, and 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 okay. who knows that maybe over time, maybe over centuries, and you know, all of the more than centuries, but it could even be that the names have changed. Yeah. Um, you know, Somerset, where where the, the county in which Glasgow is located is meant to link back Somerset Sumerian. Oh, so again, to one of the oh. oldest races. And, oh, and then what we're seeing is that in the landscape, in the very, very landscape, they thought there was the Zodiac. So the, the, Zodiac, the, the whole wheel of the Zodiac could be traced back they were seeing through the very old, um, not even walls, but the things that would define the land itself. Wow. Um, wow. So it's, I think it's, it's bigger and it's um, more complex and, and richer than, than yeah. I've ever been really able to fully grasp. Yeah, that makes sense. And in some ways, um, I've just always been happy to engage with it on, I don't know, on a more personal level. Mm -hmm. um, did, your, did these ley lines run through your house? <laughs> so, well, I mean, you said that, my house, the garden backed onto the bottom of the tool. Right. So they would have been very, very close. Yeah. And I, I do remember my mother had to turn her bed at one point. There's too much energy coming too through. Too much, but, but nightmare. She's, and I remember oh. seeing this little picture of, of the, the, the tool, and it was all dark blues and reds and, and sort of kind of dark colors. And, and she said, um, that's how personally I experienced it. There was a darkness as well to it. Yeah. Uh, which again isn't surprising. I think anything yeah. that's going to sort of uh, nurture and encourage the light is also going to have the the, the counter element. Yeah, wherever Archangel well. Michael is, there's the good over evil. You yeah, know, the conquering. Of, yeah. Yeah, and so it's, you get these extremes. Exactly, yeah. and I think it's it's part of our human system. We've all got you know the 
the, the divine light within us. And there's also a shadow side that's not nothing that's necessarily sinister, but it's also the bit that we're working on and needing to befriend and kind of develop uh, that, that sits alongside that and, and, you know, makes us human and makes us fallible and makes us imperfect in a perfect way, which is great. Um, so I think it's just how that's mirrored on that macro level. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I just can't imagine what it would be like to grow up with that. Like, I mean, like you said, though, it's like we don't wake up every day and go, oh, wow, look at this hand I had. Like, it's just there. You just grew up with it, absorbing this magical energy, <laughs> exactly. this extreme energy from the get go. Exactly. And and it's very, it's very unconscious. Um, which I think was it was a good thing, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it allowed me then just to develop a relationship with it that was very organic, very yeah. natural, very uh, unforced, mm -hmm. very instinctive. Whereas I think if I'd known I'd been born into a place like that, right? Um, you know, maybe my engaging with it would have been quite different. Mm -hmm. As a visitor now, when I go back, and I was going back ten years ago, and. I came to this conclusion that everybody in Glastonbury was a medium. Everybody was psychic. <laughs> everybody okay. was, you know, sort of hailed from from this group or this place and this place. And it almost you, you, I got to the point where I thought, was there anybody here that actually needs a sitting or a reading? Was everybody too busy being mediums themselves? And so I saw it even in that way from a very different um, perspective because over the decades that I've been alive, it's changed and it's yeah. become even more perhaps um concentrated mm. in the shops that are there they're the 90 percent now they're the crystal shops are the vegetarian shops they're the, the incense yeah um, and that's partly how the neighboring towns also developed mm -hmm. and Glastonbury kind of lost a lot of trade right. with some of those other bigger stores or clothing stores so I, I think it had to to do what it did best and what was drawing people to yeah. that town because um unbeknownst to many people where the actual um music festival of Glastonbury right. isn't in Glastonbury so it's kind of outside of it but what was drawing people to Glastonbury were people on a pilgrimage yes and yes. people that were coming to connect develop on a spiritual level yes. and and experience these things for themselves and so I think it just embraced that and and that's now what it's it seems to be even more known for mm -hmm. yeah it makes me wonder whether you whether you feel like you have a different vibration than a lot of people growing up or once you left. It seems to me it would give you a maybe a feeling of, like you integrated something very intense in a way. Yeah. I heard some people speak who had moved to Glastonbury. They were older and they said that they were having panic attacks for the first several months of being there because they found just the intensity and the extreme, you know, people are looking for the light all that time. Right? Yeah. And, and, and that that was pretty heavy on them. But you know, you would have grown up integrating this from the get-go. Yeah, exactly. And so that was that was normal. That yeah. was that was my normal. Um, and I guess then what I talked about, you know, sort of traveling around and on my bike and going to different fields and sitting in different places and going up the tour from different angles, different sides. Yeah. yeah. I was I instinctively just had this sense of this is the side I like for this. This is where I want to be here. Oh. This is where I'm going to hide here. This is my little bit for this. So I was probably connecting on that level, but but yeah. again, like you said, and, and sort of quite an instinctive, innocent level that that, mm -hmm. that was just, that was the norm. When I go back now, I, I, um, 
I find myself connecting with it in a, in a very powerful way. I love going back. And I always feel there's a bit of a pull when I need to leave. Mm. Um, as if I don't want, there's a bit of resistance to going. Yeah. The minute I've gone, it's fine. But almost as if I would feel a bit yeah, homesick. Well, but there's a, yeah. almost like a missing before I've even left because it yeah. feels so familiar. Yeah. Um, and again, it's the energy. It's not to do with the high street. It's not to do with the people. It's because that that's the changed over time. Land. It is. Yeah. It really is. It's not even to do with my family that are there. Yeah. I'm not, no, I do. It's it's kind of it's the land that feels it's pulled me yeah. back, and then the land that I can feel as I'm transitioning out. Um, this almost missing before I've gone. And especially when I go back up to London, to this really, really busy city, the minute I'd got off the train, I get onto the underground, it would take me about 20, 30 minutes of almost this sense of loss. Hmm. This sense of mourning is, oh, I'm now in a very, very different place. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just about acclimatizing my energy field to kind of to, to draw it in to being in the city. It was just the vibration itself. By the time I got off, the, the tube and, and got home it was fine but there was that it was almost felt like a mini morning mm-hmm. that would happen each and it was every time mm. every time mm. yeah do you think even before your mediumship gifts became a thing for you do you think you were pretty just generally intuitive as a child yeah, yeah i think uh, yeah. that's why you know I, I refer to myself as an intuitive because yeah. for me it speaks to the the, the, the scope of which intuition um, extends within which mediumship, I, I think, and psychic intuition are, yeah. are obviously well within that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that um, in terms of a nature nurture, I think I was probably born someone who was just naturally very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are lots of ideas and thoughts about star seeds and people that you know have. Um, been incarnated on other planets and other places for a very long period of time. Can I definitively say that that would be me? No, but what does resonate with me about that is this just intrinsic sense that um, we're born into an environment that we feel ill-equipped for, that Mm. feels it doesn't work and it doesn't resonate the way it should do. And why is it so harsh? And why are people being like this? And and why are... Uh, the 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 sort of the hierarchies and and the the judgments and why is it so difficult to navigate through this world yeah. and manifest in it and be close to people sometimes? So there's that um, that I think I really do relate to in terms of literature and and, and ideas that I've heard about starseed um, people, and also about this sense that they connect innately with um, being of servitude to others in yeah. some way. That's always felt like um, something that's been part of my psyche. Yeah. And where and it's come from. They also feel like home is somewhere else. It's not Earth. Exactly. A lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. And and just almost this sense of um, the sense. If I would draw, almost and I did it years and years and years ago. What is this? Why am I so sensitive? Like I didn't have a full skin. Mm. That that kind of just left me vulnerable at times. And it was almost as if there was this little gap in my auric field or something that was partly connected to um, my difference, the discord that I was feeling about. Yeah. I don't feel that I'm from here. Yeah, yeah. I'm having to work very hard to understand the systems 
Yeah, the I, rules down here. The yeah. rules and also my brain, I don't know, being dyslexic and dyspraxic, it's like I'm not I'm not even computing. My yeah. brain isn't even working the same way as many other brains, as many other brains are. Um and so I, I I've retrospectively wondered to what extent yeah. that's been a, a contributory factor in um my intuition, my sensitivity. Because starcy people are, as so are highly sensitive people. They're automatically not just attuned and able to discern the feelings and energy of other people, but they're also deeply impacted by that. Yeah. And then, of course, where I think my my intuition was was naturally developed is within the relationships that I grew up. Yeah. Because it starts to be um, encouraged, maybe for what it's bringing. If you are trying to mediate between uh, your parents, or you're trying to respond to the needs of the other person to alleviate tension or to alleviate stress, which is certainly something I would do. Yeah, because so many star seeds also say and like, they, they just have this um, innate sense of what love is and what mm. harmony is and intimacy and transparency. And then it's like we get here. And it's, <laughs> uh, if I do that, then I'm leaving myself open. Yeah. All kinds of. Attack, maybe exactly or, exactly yeah the way I, I think about it at the moment is it's to me it's if we think about the, the boundaries and and our connection with others you know we're up uh before we've incarnated onto earth and we're, we're consciousness there's no physical boundary between you or me but what there is is there's this collective awareness and unconscious so it's it's not that we're going around with different agendas different judgments different appearances that we do or don't like we're all of the same consciousness. So there's this cohesiveness, there's this equilibrium, there's this parity, there's this sameness. Mm -hmm. So there's no discord. We can be this close mm -hmm. without there being any negative impact. Mm -hmm. Then we come down to earth, especially as we come down for whatever reason as sensitive people. Um, and suddenly, well, now I'm in connection with someone and this actually can be quite painful. I've just now been knocked. I've clearly done something or trodden on something or I'm having to respond or I haven't responded and there's a problem and I'm somehow now being judged for how I look, how I'm behaving, what's kind of going on. All of these things that are of no importance or consequence. Yeah. And I'm having to fit into this hierarchy on all of the different the levels. Level. Exactly. Yes. What's my ability then? What's my education? What's my understanding? What's my, you know, how do I look? What's yeah, my gender? Yeah. All of these yeah. things that, that have these um, these impacts into how we're received or not, or yeah. accepted or not, responded to or not. Um, and then navigating that, I think the intuition becomes something that goes, well, hang on a minute. Maybe this is going to give me an insight into how I can move through this and move through uh, my family relationships mm -hmm. with as little cost to me as possible. Mm -hmm. That's what we think. Um, so we come up with these strategies and our intuition helps us mediate, avoid certain things, diffuse certain things. What we don't realize is, of course, it's coming at a cost because it's setting a pattern for us. And it's also setting a pattern that other people are going to expect and anticipate this from us. And it's also then going to be something that's affirmed by other people for us. So then before we know it, what's now become ingrained and enmeshed in this is our sense of self-worth and how we fit in and whether we are deserving to fit in yeah. yeah 
And that's an invisible enmeshment because it takes place so insidiously, so slowly and invisibly that we often then spend time afterwards in our adult life trying to unpick it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then there's this it. other side of us that knows that that's BS. Yeah. All the way along, you know, or like a lot of people's pain in life comes from, well, why can't people look beyond that and see who I am beyond that, that status or age or books or whatever. And I think that's one of those existential pains everybody's dealing with. Well, yeah, but but part of the reason I think we're, we're, we're dealing with that is because we're aware that it's not right. Yeah. But actually, you know, the majority of, of our interactions and time spent in society is reflecting and mirroring those very values that, that we know don't resonate with us and don't make sense. Yeah. You know, well, but, we feel like we have to play that game for survival or to be hired or who knows, all, the, all these things where you feel like you have to buy into that one for your survival in some way. I think it's very hard to exist completely outside of that system altogether. Yeah. You know, it's it's informed the clothes that we choose to wear. It's informed, you know, the jobs that we do or how we phrase what jobs we're doing in order to kind of be where we live, what we eat, you know, what we how we think with the beliefs we have about ourselves. It's so uh, ingrained within us um, that the, I think for many people, the challenge is um, just creating enough space mm -hmm. that we can walk this path within these surroundings, but holding on to our own sense of truth mm -hmm. so that we can somehow bridge the gap and we can walk holding both in mind in a way that's authentic and, and somehow um, of benefit. Yeah. Because we are here to be on this earth for this reason. Yeah. Um, Is know, this part of your work or part of what you train and coach people to do? Um, I think so, because, you know, my my first question when I came, the questions I was having to ask myself were, why am I here? Mm -hmm. um, as someone who was also straddling difference in terms of sexual orientation and, and being accepted or not being accepted uh, and being brought up in a uh, in a religion that at the time was speaking against that and saying, you know, this is evil, this is bad. I had to ask this really early question, why would I be born like this? I don't feel I've chosen it. I don't feel I've done something to make me like this. Mm -hmm. Why would I be born like this and automatically be hated by the divine? And there was something in my questioning of that that just, well, it's, you know, I can feel it now. I think it's almost like this was going, oh, it's, it's all good. I'm being reassured. There was something in that that just went, I don't care. Who is standing in that pulpit? How clever they are, yeah. how old they are, that does not make sense to me. Yeah. As a child, that, that oh, if, if I'm meant to be a divine child, if I'm meant to be, you know, of God yeah. or source or, divine, or whatever we call it, just didn't make sense. And so from that question, it gave me, I guess, relief from feeling that I was cast in that impossible position to be in, mm -hmm. which is you're evil and you're here and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, but at the same time to orientate myself, what it did was reinforce my intuitive instinct, which is um, responding to the needs of others. Now, as I'm starting to become aware of how I'm different and 
the the fear that I'm experiencing in terms of I know that's not going to be well received. Um, and that came to me in a dream very, very early on. I knew. I knew. People say, well, when did you know? And, and what was it? it? came in a dream. And I remember being in this dream and I was approaching um, this, this gentleman who was sleeping. And there was something in just looking at his um, sleeping face. I knew that there was something in my, in my, what would be an attraction later on that had to remain unspoken. That was just an intuitive sense that I was going to have to navigate this. And this came to me years before actually I really consciously became aware of and did have to navigate it. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, what it positioned me to do was adapt. I've got to adapt to my environment now. Yeah. I've got to fit in. I've got to hide this. Yeah. And I've got to make sure that I'm, I'm doing everything to uh, evoke the positive in other people and to fit in and to be welcomed and to belong. And I've got to do everything that's going to hide this bit mm -hmm. that's going to be um, disregarded and ridiculed and bullied and, and that's going to set me apart from other people. So again, it pushes me even further down this route of use your gift of intuition. Yes. Yeah. But you're using it to adapt and to somehow, and in some ways, diminish yourself. So let me ask you a yeah. question. Um, since you're also a qualified therapist, so we can get psychological answers. Um, I'm curious what you would say about that when it comes to like, I guess it'd be cognitive dissonance. It might be, you know, it sounds pretty pronounced what you're saying. Like you, on one level, you're protecting yourself, discerning radar is on all the time. You know, I must behave a certain way to hide until I'm ready to. And then on the other hand, the intuition is getting stronger and stronger, right? To pick up on and read people or, or you're just aware of these undercurrents. Oh, they're pretending to not accept me, but they actually do. Or all of these, all of these dualities then that come in that you have. Right? Yeah. But what's great about that from a psychological perspective is that <laughs> if you think about the psyche, they're all there anyway. Yeah. You know, they're there when we, when we, when we think about the sun and the moon and the, the, the male and the female contra, uh, you know, sexual aspects of our psyche, they're, they're there. They're polarized in, in our development naturally where we are thinking about, in terms of Carl Jung would say, the persona, the mask that we're wearing to yeah. the world, the, the parts of ourselves that we want people to see, yeah. how we want to be perceived. But what's always beneath that are the parts that we haven't yet owned, yeah. understood, recognized about ourselves that are perhaps sometimes referred to as the shadow side of ourself. But it's only in that mergence and acceptance of the two, an embodiment of the two, that the authentic or true self can then step forwards. So this... It's like it put a flashlight on that really early you know, in yeah. a more dramatic way, whereas most people float through unconscious of it until something exterior hits their life, maybe. Yes, and I felt that probably what was inhibiting me was I knew that there were other bits that I wanted to integrate, but I knew that it wasn't safe to. Right. Um, and now in retrospect, I think there's probably, you know, a reason for that. I think that was part of my own learning journey, part of my own healing journey. I mm -hmm. think that's what took me on this path to Firstly, train as an actor, mm -hmm. which uh, was great because it's about then using your body and your emotions and understanding them 
-hmm. through physicality, through movement. It introduced me to Alexander Technique, where, where oh, I was yes. learning about, you know, how the emotions are imprinted in our musculature. Mm -hmm. um, and it gave me a chance to, um, to release a lot of what I had held onto growing up, because it had got to a point where I don't think I could walk down the high street without having it. Walkman on in those days, yeah. Um, with my head low, mm. and for fear that someone or something would shout or do something, it never mm. really happened. But it was that level of kind of fear. And what I noticed when I got to drama school was, well, that's really impacted your my posture, my physicality. Yeah. And now, of course, we know is that that our physicality and our sense of wellness and our and our emotional state and our physical sense of strength are interconnected. So it's that's why many people are doing things like yoga and you know the qigong the, mm -hmm. because they're trying to make that connection to open the body to to place it into a more um, present alert strong position yeah. in which they can experience their emotions and you know their physical experiences. Um, so you had a lot of energy to channel into your acting. Yes, and I think that the acting was cathartic. It was part yeah. of that. Again, understanding people, but again, then also being able to articulate and externalize, which again is a huge part of, of therapy in terms of especially the, the creative therapies as well as the systemic therapies that I trained in, where we need to be able to externalize something in order for us, A, to observe it outside of ourselves at a safe distance, make sense of it, reframe it, and then find the alternative that we want to internalize instead. In its mm -hmm. place so that we mm -hmm. we can um really move forwards in terms of our mind and our body and our emotions so it's our beliefs mm -hmm. and our thinking and our thoughts that contribute to this but it's also our emotional patterns and i think i've probably gone off the question no no, no it's fine it, it gives me another question well, it's very organic yes it gives me another interesting question um yeah you you mentioned like Okay, so dealing with shadow work and integration and replacing it with something else now. We often don't talk about that, the replacing it with what? And I think it also applies to people's intuitive and spiritual experiences too, because people look at it, I think in general, as like maybe a one-off, once-in-a-lifetime thing. They might have a, a dream or a visitation or it pokes through the veil once in a while and it's not integrated it's out there again yeah and then other people they start to be more um awakened or poked let's say and i wonder like i, I don't know it's just the thought that i had like we don't maybe we don't give people enough uh tools to see well what is it a what's a life look like if i open to my intuition what what is that next uh, version of me look like if i open to uh, new spiritual beliefs I always look at it as the shadow stuff. This is, I don't know, just give me an idea. Well, I, you see, I don't, yeah, you see, I don't see that as the shadow stuff. No, no, me neither. I'm just no, saying no. we usually focus on that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that certainly when, when I was referring earlier to the shadow side, I think those, the, the parts of ourselves, um, the wounded parts of ourselves, the selfish parts of ourselves, you know, the, the, those, yeah. those normal bits of humanity that we just, we, that we don't own, that haven't been dealt with, haven't been processed. For me, it's nothing, like you said, it's nothing to do with, um, our sensitivity or the other realms that we're communicating with or connecting with no. that's not the shadow side at on on any level um i think for me what what 
continued this journey of development with that was the fact that they happened to be the things that were falling in front of my path to try and make sense of, navigate and deal with the challenges in my life. That's when I discovered that my, you know, one of my aunts, a more distant aunt, was doing tarot and that she was an astrologer. Mm. That's when she would do my comments. So I was then finding these things in these books and I was starting to read about um, spirituality from different cultures that was helping them make sense of how do they view people of different sexual orientations? Mm. How do they receive and, and understand that? Are they seeing it quite differently? So I've got now a different worldview. I've now got mm -hmm. these other um, tools. Yeah. And these other... Um, it was replaced with a new worldview. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've got new ways in to understand the meaning of what's going on around me. And I've now also got this wonderful realm and a way into this wonderful realm that I've sensed on some unconscious level that I'm now starting to see how I open the door and how I go in and can now re-envisage these things and revision re vision them mm -hmm. from these perspectives. Mm -hmm. um, and that was wonderful, but that happened organically. Again, that was, you know, I mean, I grew up with the crystals and working with crystals. There was the tarot that I was introduced to in my early teens. Um, there were meditation that I was introduced to. Um, all of these things that were creating the space for my intuition to um, develop, grow and connect with what was going to take it to the next level, what was going to guide my understanding and um, experience of it on the next level. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you, <coughs> I mean, you work on a few different levels here, you know, mm. um, you're medium, you're also psychotherapist and you also have your own uh, coaching. Yeah. Coaching. So how do you, I know it's a chunky question, but how, how do you sort of break down um, the different modalities that you do and for who? And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me also, just to sort of add to that. Mm -hmm. um, I trained in shiatsu for oh. several years, in Reiki for several years. And each thing that I've come to, again, has been a, normally because I needed it for myself at that point. Yes. And so then, you know, it gave me this sense of, of um, Eastern medicine and, and Western medicine and, and the, the meridian system and how this all links physiologically and emotionally and psychologically with each of these things, how we can, you know, uh, affect change. Of working the whole body through pressure and that's all added to my understanding of um what i do and how i do it and integrating bit by bit and understanding that the mind the body and the spirit the emotions obviously within the body need to be tended to mm -hmm. and need to be considered in whatever we decide is going to be the solution or the, the help for that moment I don't think it's a one size fits all. So my my journey has taken on this huge learning, you know, crystals and and the, the healing arts that I've described, some of them. Um, psychotherapy was another one. It's not the answer, it's not the only thing, but it it took me to another level and it took me to this other cave, perhaps, and it revealed so many things for me and helped me see the problems in this context that was incredibly enriching and powerful and helpful for people, but always alongside knowing that this also existed as well, that I'd encountered before. 
and then um, training alongside uh, and developing my my psychic uh, and mediumship um, skills, I did that separately. Mm-hmm. So that they, they happened separately, even mm-hmm. though at times I know that it was my intuition that would guide me to ask a certain question with the client. Right. I, I certainly wasn't uh, opening it to beyond that. I did keep it distinct as it needed to be. Um, but then I went and trained alongside and then I would kept it very separate when I was in the UK. Moving to Canada three years ago, mm-hmm. three and a half years ago, um, there was this need in me to somehow stop that differential, to stop the distinction yeah. between this is this and this is this. Right. And, and you are a therapist or you are this, because I am both. Yeah. And at the same time, having to navigate that with um, registration yeah. limitations where yeah. people- Strict you, rules here. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to, to register as, as a psychotherapist, you can't be working as a psychic or a medium. In the UK, that's not quite the same because we've got psycho- spiritual trainings that acknowledge the spiritual aspect and this is what I was struggling with as well coming and to work with clients who were saying to me I want to or I've been in therapy but they can't speak to my spiritual understanding of the problem or, or the solution or my way of seeing the world so I felt there was this disconnect and there was part of me that wanted to again bring these things closer mm-hmm. and and I still and now when I work I, I am again I do keep some things quite separate my my psychotherapy clients and practice that is separate but my well-being mm-hmm. work is about uniting that so whether somebody comes for a, a one-off session of coaching that could link to any aspect of their emotional their physical or their relational or, or spiritual life mm-hmm. and experience that's fine. We can look at all levels, and I'm able to bring all of the elements mm. that um, that I feel I've developed, that I've got to offer, as is needed, and as is congruent, and as is agreed with the person. Um, and then also within that, there are um, psychic mediumship sessions that I offer yeah. um, that are purely looking and and responding to to that um, need and that form of communication. So I feel that that's kind of happened. And then in London, I still work for the, the L- London College of Psychic Studies. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're happening in parallel in the UK. Mm-hmm. And in Quebec, I feel that through my website here, I'm kind of emerging. Yeah. There's more of a cohesion, yeah. um, which I like. I'm enjoying it. Ah, wonderful to talk to Jeremy so far. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, We're just going to take a little musical interlude, let you reflect and process some of what he said, and then we're going to come back with part two. I hope you'll stick around for it. And once again, if you are inspired to reach out to Jeremy Turner Welsh, you can do so at www.everywherewegrow.net. All right, we'll be back shortly.
Welcome back. That was Lassa de Sella with Dicara a la Parade. I love that song. And I'm hoping it gave you a chance to chill and think about some of the things mentioned in this uh, wonderful interview today. We're going to head back into the second part now. And uh, I hope that you'll enjoy it. If you want to reach Jeremy everywherewegrow.net. Here we go. So let's let's take a, a deeper step. It's a typical thing for more for This might be somebody kind of who's had a loss or been a loss. Mm. So maybe you can sort of illustrate for people how you would approach it as a therapist versus how you approach it as a medium, how you integrate to in your class. What would be sort of the structure? What would that look like in the, these three different ways? Um, <laughs> I mean, loss is, a, loss is maybe a, a, a tricky one. I know that many people come obviously to yeah, see mediums because, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to, to speak with loved ones who have passed. Um, I think the easiest way probably is to sidestep that particular topic and to say that when <laughs> okay. the, the, there is a crossover. So when yeah. people come, I'm curious to understand their experience, that the problem, their concern through a range of different perspectives and contexts. It's really about asking questions and exploring so that we constellate what's contributed. <laughs> I think it's a perfect time for that. Because <laughs> no, we're just talking about constellating these things and relationships and people and the phone goes, it's wonderful, it's yeah. wonderful. Um, so mm. that's part of, let's create this really clear big picture of how our wider system impacts what we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And then once we've started to understand that, how do we want it to change? What needs to, you know, to be able to change? And we can navigate and help people understand the strategies, the different ways of interacting, of communicating, of positioning themselves in relationship, not just to others, but to their to their jobs, to their, you know, their existence. Mm -hmm. um, with the the well-being that would also bring in more particularly the, the, the spiritual element as well, we might be looking at, okay, what's this, what's the message, what's the guidance? On a soul level, what's happening for you here? Mm -hmm. How is this, or how is this not perhaps connecting to your 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 soul journey mm -hmm. this time? Mm -hmm. um, and what other resources do we have available to us, mm -hmm. such as our own intuition, connection with spirit, guidance from spirit, that can inform the situation, uh, ameliorate it perhaps, and and help us navigate it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So it's really about this, this additional dimension comes in um, and allows people again to see it through a different lens and also encourages them to not only see the, the problem or the concern through these myriad of lenses, but also to recognize that the pathway to the solution of the problem is also gonna be able to harness these myriad of different elements and qualities that they've got so again it gives them it's another huge resource mm -hmm. how can my spirituality how can my connection with spirit however young it is however much it needs to be developed or however much can the guidance uh, that i'm going to receive from spirit and my loved ones and spirit who are watching and wanting to step forwards to help me mm 
that's my experience yeah. of often what happens why they come forward they have this invested desire to to bring their wisdom to bring their guidance support and reassurance to the people that are navigating something often that they've had some direct understanding of themselves when they were alive i think um how can this be used to help us move forwards mm -hmm. so it just becomes this um colossal resources the, the, the most simple way and blessing mm -hmm. that, that we can receive and healing that we can receive just to to again help us reconnect with our sense of self that that reminds us that this kind of communication this understanding about ourselves and our lives comes from within mm -hmm. we don't have to keep looking outside of ourselves for the solution or for the solution to be in other people or this because even when I'm working with people, I'm working alongside them. It's their journey. They're the expert of their own lives. They're the expert of their own experience. I'm here to, to act as a guide that knows how to shine the light, perhaps, in certain areas mm -hmm. to help illuminate certain things mm -hmm. for them to make sense of and get more insight into something. And then also I'm there to help them understand how did they want it to be different? What did they want to change? Not what I think should be done that's that's completely irrelevant yeah. Yeah. so i it, my intention is that i become this very useful resource and help and guide but i'm not there to shape and to determine the outcome that's for the person to decide what it is that they're wanting to experience and i will help them within all of my understanding of mind body and spirit and the different ways that i have available to me to to bring that to bear fruit yeah. for what they are trying to achieve that makes sense of course yeah yeah that's well said i think a lot of people listening might be curious to know though like okay i came for a session let's say it's a therapy session and it is to deal stay with the loss great because okay. we're mediums um will he start channeling my my dad that i just lost in the middle of the therapy session like will he give me a message in the middle of it or is he counseling me about how i feel or a lot of people because there's ideas about mediumship that, yeah. and projections and Hollywood and everything that are going to step into your your therapy or your well-being coaching. Yeah. So just curious, like what you would say. To okay. Well, on one level, I think there are many, 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 many of us that do have several jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some people that do some French tuition because they're they're fluent in French. But they also uh, clean a house, or they do something else. You know, they're a cleaner. Yeah. Of we, so we don't expect them to walk down the street just gabbling French the whole time if it doesn't make sense. They use the skills that are required of the job that they're doing. Yeah. And for me, I don't walk around, and we've spoken about this. Yeah. I don't walk around open. I don't, I don't want to walk around open, no. connecting with people or entities and spirit or whatever no, it no. is, and and tuning into. The, the, the pain and the lives and the loss of, of, of other people. Um, not only do I think that's a, an intrusion yeah. and abusive, but it's yeah. not going to be good for me. Yeah. So I think it's really important that people can feel safe with someone who does have um, skills in, in, in different places, that they are there for a particular thing. So if, and they're separated out. And so that's what yeah. they will get. I'm not opening yeah. myself up. And it is, it is almost yes, like a piano yeah. as well, if we think about it. Yeah. You know, the higher up the octaves we go, the more we're connecting to the psychic intuition. And then we go up in time, we're connecting to the, the finer things of the mediumship and this. Well, I'm down here at this part of the piano. 
Yeah, it's the low notes in therapy. It's the low notes. Yeah, that's a good My point. intuition yes. is still informing me, not yes. my intuition and communication with spirit, yes. but my natural intuition that Jung talks about is one of our, yes. you know, faculties that we have. I just happen to have a heightened intuitive sense. Um, that's still informing it, yes. but it's going to be done in this context, yes, exactly. in this way, so that we know that it's safe. The closest that I can ever recall um, something like that happening was I was speaking with a client and she, but I asked my question was what was the significance of anything of that do you feel mm -hmm. and she said what her sense was yes it matched mine but it didn't matter that was yeah, where I was exactly so it was about what sense did you make of that and if she'd said to me well I think the shelf needed fixing great <laughs> yeah. that's then that's the truth that's where we're going with Yes. Um, you know, it's in that a client moment. informed. Exactly, exactly. I mean, there are other times where maybe a client will not be able to see something that, that will be helpful them to see a different perspective. And so I will challenge respectfully or, or ask, invite them into a different position. But with something like that, it's kept distinct. Yeah. With uh, the mediumship session, obviously, that's all with even the, with the well-being sessions, more of that intuition is being informed and is and is being used within the sessions but it's still not the case that anybody that would come for a personal well-being session is going to be you know aunties and uncles are going to be coming no, through. No, no, no. again that's 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 um really spoken about and negotiated in terms of their own beliefs mm -hmm. what's going to be helpful for you some people do want a little bit of the mediumship to come in with a little bit more of the therapeutic um, not therapy, but the therapeutic, and someone to keep them very distinct. That's great. We'll, we'll do that. So it's about it being done in a very um, boundaried, yeah. structured, honest, and open way. Yeah. So that the the person themselves is coming that, that that's coming is going to receive the the kind of help and guidance that they want, uh, and not the kind that they don't want. I'm sure. I don't know if you've ever had this, but I remember going to see years and years ago when I was you know quite young I'd go and see a psychic or someone and there was part of me that was scared am I just going to be you know seen straight through and what about the parts right. of me that maybe I don't want someone to see or that I'm a bit you know so I I understand the um the the angst the, the, the natural and, and normal anxiety or concern that could be raised when people feel they come and speak with someone who is you know intuitive and psychic in, in, in the medium um, and I think it's really important that um, they understand certainly with, within my work and with yours I know from speaking with you that we are there to serve them mm -hmm. and it is boundaried and it is respectful and there is there aren't going to be any shocks or surprises you yeah. know so it's it's um it's going to be in line with, with what they're what they're seeking yeah do you think you know because your intuition is always present even in your psychotherapy that do you think it's allowed you to direct the sessions deeper or perhaps absolutely. get results faster than absolutely yeah. i think also the thing it's given me that i that i i use a lot in my own life it's the language of symbolism mm -hmm. so it's the language of patterns that get constructed in our interactions and things that happen between people and I'm almost then just immediately seeing the symbolism of well, what's what's going on, what's this really saying, more than what words have been exchanged. Um, and so my intuition, I think, helps me um, explore things in different ways. And sometimes I'll have a question that will come into my head, why am I asking this question? Uh -huh. 
why am I going here? And then they'll say, oh, it's funny you should say that. Or, yes, <laughs> it's or, a good title of a book. It's funny you should say yes. this. <laughs> or it takes us in a very different place yeah. um, that maybe they hadn't thought they, they should think about going or, or were going to go, that then opens up this whole other thing that becomes available to them then as another way of seeing things. And also, I'm constantly, as a, as a, as a therapist, um, constellating the story, sometimes over several months, sometimes over several years, where you, all these things are up, like they're stars in the sky, and someone will refer back to something, and I go, oh, that links with here, and how does this symbolise and connect with this? And so I'll ask, and it's, it's that rich tapestry that's somewhere constantly and continually being um, developed and becoming more observable gives us the framework and the, the constellations within which we can go, this is how everything's hanging together. Mm -hmm. This is how I wonder that things are relating to each other and how they connect. Mm -hmm. And so with that understanding, how do you think that connects and how do you think that links back to what we said here or what we were exploring here, again, greater insight comes. Yes. And then we suddenly have a very different perception of, of the landscape within which we're na navigating in our life. We see the bigger picture of it and we go, ah, I want to be over here. I want to be over here and I can see now how all of these things are linking me and inviting me back into this area, this part of the landscape that I don't want to be in. Yes. And now it's showing me not just where I want to be, but how I can move towards being in that place. Yes. And that, I think, the, the ability to, um, for me, I'm not seeing other therapists that aren't intuitive in this way, can't do it, but that's, I think, been the, the tool that I use to help me track to help me constellate to help me see beneath yes. the layer beneath what's being seen and to explore in a, in a, in a broader deeper way yeah like yeah helping people see uh, their bigger picture their overarching overarching patterns yeah. um seeing the symbolic meaning and things yeah. they didn't really i mean yeah i think that's really a profound work and i think when you add the mediumship to that you're adding the next layer of the big picture yes. in a way, right? Like past lives or cosmos or star seer. You're adding just another whole web of to, you know, for the person to, to process. Yes, and you're adding also, I might have said this before as well, but you're adding another layer of resource yes. that's available yes. to the person. Yes. These, these, these ancestors or guides or, you know, loved ones, friends, neighbors, even in spirit that are observing that the care that are around that are trying to support and offer guidance as well irrespective of whether the person can hear it or not on a day-to-day -day level sometimes it's enough we know that they're there yes you know and we just invite them in whoever they are that, that are working for our highest good so in a grounded obviously way that it's going to be for our best good but we have that available and that's that's like having a complete other army yeah you know, behind us, supporting us, strengthening us, oh, that's guiding us. Yeah. And that's, you know, what a gift. Do you what a have gift. any uh, interesting stories from your own life when your guide showed up and saved you or helped you? Yes, I do. I don't, the the <laughs> first one that they really, really came as well. They, they <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I was meditating and I was, I was so, I think, wanting to connect. With my with my guide, uh, with a guide, and to sense this, and, and I was, you know, I was constructing these 
the crystals and it was round and I suppose entire, you know, devoting entire evenings to this. Wow, nice. And I remember um, sitting in this circle that I kind of constructed and, and asking again and asking again. And I've never had an experience um, like this since it was, it was really visceral what I'm about to describe, <laughs> but it was like, I felt something, a presence grasp my, my, oh, wow. my, my brain, not in an unpleasant way, okay. but it felt awesome. It's like, you know, when you see the television screen go, where yeah. there's no program on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I just heard this voice very, very sternly say, with an image that came as well, be patient. And I was being told, mm. I was being told, wow. don't rush, be patient, stop trying to force it. And not long after that, um, in one of my meditations, very, very clearly, I was given uh, the name. Mm -hmm. I heard the voice and I was given the name of this guide that linked to the, to the um, the cultural meditation I was doing mm. so it made made sense of that and came at a very opportune point in my life when I was going through quite a difficult relationship and needed very much needed that guidance from an objective you know divine yeah. higher understanding being that yes. was going to be able to help um, pierce through the gaslighting or whatever yeah exactly exactly yeah. And stay sane. Yeah. And and um, <clears throat> and so, I think that's why I had been meditating in that way because I knew that I needed assistance. But it was just this thing that reminded me, and it's something I say to students now that I work with or people that I'm sitting with as well. It really does happen in its own time. We don't have to worry that we have to really try too hard. It's it's not like other things. Yeah. You know, it's not like basketball or something where we've got to spend hours kind of bouncing, hours going to the net and hours doing this. I'm right. not saying you don't put in time, but what I mean is that that our connection with spirit is innate to some degree because we've got spirit within us. We are part spirit. Yeah. So we don't have to worry about the if. It's more about just giving the space yeah. and the time to allow that to happen and to trust it does it in its own way. It's different for every person. Yeah. Um, and, but it's as it's meant to be for every person, I think. And it's often in a very sort of mundane way. Oh yeah. Like people expect, again, sort of Hollywood things, but I was listening to one medium did a, did a talk in Toronto for AX, um, John Holland, and he said, it's not like something comes one day and goes, John, I am your spirit guide. Here I am, you know. It doesn't happen like this. It's, no. it's very, you know, symbolism and signs and communication can be very day to day. People just go and they dismiss it. Yeah. And so I think mindfulness is such a huge part of, of this work too. To do you agree? I do, but and the mindfulness, this sort of the being present and the asking and. People say, well, how do I know if my guides are there, or how do I know this, or how do I right. know? What do you ever ask? Do you ever ask for a sign? Do you ever ask for something? And it's not that that's the only way either, but being present, being mindful of what's around us, looking for those signs um, and developing the, the symbolic language for spirit to communicate with us so that they will do it through a bird that will have a particular exactly. meaning to you. For me, <laughs> yeah. the, the robin symbolizes my grandfather. And so there are certain mm -hmm. times, um, and while robins are relatively common birds, 
it's uncanny the times at which it will suddenly come and sit right by my side. Um, but it's only because I've allowed that symbolic meaning to be present yeah. that I yeah. then get to benefit from it. And I remember years and years and years ago, I'd gone on a, on a retreat somewhere and I'd taken a book with me and I was trying to connect with something. And I thought I had, but then of course I doubted myself, which is often what happens to us at the beginning. We go, well, did I, or did I make that up? Or was it this, or was it that? And I went on a walk around the garden and I said, could you please give me a sign? And I'd walked through the carport where my car was. And I said, if this is, is, is meant to be, could I please just have a red car park next to my car? <laughs> so I come back after about 45 minutes. I think it was about four cars in the car at the time. And my car is not only flanked by red cars, so either side, but there are another four red slash maroon, you know, kind of yeah. red toned cars in the car park that were not there when I walked past half an hour earlier. Yeah. And so at some point, it's it's about how are we going to invite yes. these things to communicate and be present in our lives and to show us. But then, of course, when we do that, we've got to look. Yeah. Because if we're going to say, can I go for a long walk in nature? And it'd be great if I have a sign. We may not get it that day, maybe the next day. But if we then go on the walk, and we're not looking. We miss, and the number yep. of people I think or that have missed miss the things. thing that exactly. happens. Yes. Or then we go, can I just have another one? Right. And you think, <laughs> well, okay. At some point, we've got to, we've got to believe. Yeah. We just have to accept. I think it's a better word. That that is what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And even just you know the aspect of receiving help. A lot of people, you know, they help their ancestors. Love what their guides are helping hear a lot of that. It's like, well, help, help comes in many, many ways. You know, are you open? Like you said, you got a message about the heart. Oh, ask them. Mm. Like, I have years, years, and years ago, for yourself, and it's, you know, a bit of a struggle sometimes. So I used to sometimes go, okay, I need this much money by this day. I'm willing to work hard. Please bring. And it might not be the way I thought, like if I was addicted, if I was like fixed, no, it has to come through my readings. Well, now I'll dismiss the sign. Maybe yeah. someone asked me to rake their lawn. Yeah. Uh, but it does work. Exactly. And it's just the level of openness that it requires for people in order to, and self-trust. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of what the core of what we're working on, right? Until people have enough experiences of their own to go, oh my Lord, this is real. Or, oh, that's the, how it feels when this is true. Yes. And then also there's something else, I think, which is that, that you know, it's, it's very easy for us to have faith and trust when these things are constantly appearing and we are having these constant affirmations yes. of something. But there are moments where I've spoken to people and they go, well, I'm not sure now if I just feel this happened. And now I feel that what I thought I was sensing was, you know, sort of my connection with guys, but they've stepped back. Yeah, yeah. And so have they have they abandoned because I did this and have they done that? And for a start, I mean, obviously the thing I would say is, you know, it's really not like it is down here on earth, you know. Yeah. <laughs> guys really aren't that kind of, you know, callous and cruel and fickle. And, and exactly. <laughs> just like, well, you didn't do this, so I'm about to, you know. Um, yes. So but but I think there is this sense of how these signs and indications need to be the very thing that we hold on to 
and that keep giving us faith, even if we're not constantly receiving yes. something. And even at the moments where we are, you know, going through the very difficult path and we feel that we could be journeying this on our own. You know, it's very, as we said, very easy to have faith when we're constantly being affirmed of the presence of all of these yeah, things. Yeah, not everything is dessert all the time. You know, no. like these are supposed to be sacred or mystical experiences that mark us. It's not like it's supposed to come every day on demand. So I, I agree, like we have to be patient with them and, and, and hang on to them. Exactly, yeah. and develop yeah. our understanding that no, they haven't gone. But there may be times where they step back for a different reason. Sometimes they step back because they're going to they're going to start working with this in a different way. Yep. Sometimes they step back because it's important for us to feel that we have to right now. We've got to take this next step. Yep. And they step back to create that that sense of space into which oh, we're going to move forward. Then yep. they're then back there again. And sometimes they step back because there's another guide coming in for a different purpose. For exactly. A while. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. I find doesn't come up much in conversation but yeah even though i have a steady relationship to a guide it waxes and wanes there's there's times when i'm ready to go to sleep and it's like we have messages oh really oh i want to sleep you know and it's like okay and there's other times when it doesn't doesn't appear for a while it's gone and and you just have to trust like like the ocean the waves come and go and and it's not about like abandonment's a whole other that's more the issue for psychotherapists feeling abandoned mm. at any time there's a little change in a dynamic it's uh, yeah i mean it's 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 um i'm just trying to think of a see if an analogy comes to my mind it's like at different points in our lives we need different things yeah. um we don't perhaps this is a terrible example but we don't typically maybe need <laughs> um not. some people do but <laughs> we don't we may not need a walking frame when we're in oh. our thirties, yes. we need it at a different point. We need a kind of different level of support. And that's a, that is a, a pretty terrible example to give. But what I mean by that is that um, depending on what we do, I've, I've no doubt that when I started working and training in the psychic mediumship, there would be a different guy that would have come through to, to work with the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Because I was now not just working as a therapist. So I've got maybe a guy that would come be working with that. So as I'm changing what I'm trying to do in the world and what I am doing with the world and how I'm needing to, to be, then those guides are going to step forward to support that. Yeah. And that's going to be part of my own spiritual development and evolution, but my own personal and professional mm-hmm. development and evolution. So I think they, they step in for that. And they didn't come sooner because I didn't need them before. I wasn't working in that way or I wasn't going to benefit from it or I wasn't going to be able to receive it at that point. Yeah. Did so any of your guides shift when you came to Canada versus being home? Um, I think there have been there have been new that have arrived. Yeah. But I think again that's um, not purely linked to geography. Okay. Um, I think it's also linked to the fact that the geography and a shift in what I'm doing. Yeah. Happens simultaneously. Yeah. But I do think that the landscape of Canada has in its own way quite a deep a different impact yeah yeah you know being here now from a, it's it's a it's a country and a landscape that i feel i have a deep connection with and feels that it it offers me something and it 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 um gives me something that is very um revitalizing yeah and almost allows me to, again to reframe and, and sort of oh, find a new way of 
being a new way of doing it's always been a place that I've come to and then typically kind of go oh I'm changing the way I'm going to do this now yeah changing it's an, it's a new chapter it does that it's it's a, a magical place for them mm-hmm. I felt that in the UK <laughs> right yeah yeah I, I don't know it's like you can, you can feel sort of the energy of those ancestors because it's going back yeah but you sort of feel it on that energetic level with places you need to be yeah and there's other aspects of that too right like in your astrology chart you can do astrophotography mm-hmm. and looking at where certain planetary lines run on the planet and what might happen to you in a certain place which i flippantly like right chart. yeah i just always find it fascinating to see like how much is about you get the chance to see how many, how much of my intuition is, is with me, no matter where I am. It's just about, and how much energy changes or dynamics change your guides because of where I am. And that's yeah. just really fascinating. What comes in because of a building? What what comes in because of a relationship that's in our lives? Yes. Versus what's just traveling with us. Yes. But then again, though you've you've kind of said it in a, in a different sense, <laughs> what's traveling with us, which yeah. implies that we're moving. Yeah. So then, of course, wherever we go is going to be in some way part of our development. You know, I, I'm in Canada for a reason. Yeah. You know, a new relationship might be for a part of a reason. So again, like you said, they are traveling with, and as they travel with, they come in, they step back, perhaps they pause, as is required, as as kind of supports our needs and our direction at that time it's that's how i feel it is Mm -hmm. it's um and they're there you know some of these shifts are about revealing the next step yeah what what door is going to open next where are we going to go next and that's exciting do you find when you get those doorway you know the decisions or visions of the does it come through dream does your guide step in and show you is it an intuitive thing when you make big decisions? Um, it's it's a mix. Sometimes it's dreams. Sometimes it is through meditations and through connection with guides. Sometimes it's through an encounter, an opportunity, something that happens in, in my life that, that wasn't there before. Um, again, that sort of just grabs my attention and directs me in a certain way. Um, it can be, yes, any of those levels. Mm-hmm. The thing I find, <laughs> which I think we can all do maybe, is, is difficult. And it did happen to me, actually, when I was first here in Canada, I remember going to a a spiritualist church and um, there was a a message that I did receive. It was great. It was saying, well, huge change on all levels, you know, you've left your job, you've done this, you've done that, you've done that, all correct, absolutely correct. You've just got to trust that um, all of this has happened so that you can be on a different path. You've needed to leave Mm. all of those things behind to put you on a different path that's going to make different things available to you now mm-hmm. i love that that was great mm-hmm. absolutely went it went with it but i'm not going to lie and say that you know sort of four months down the line i wasn't thinking come on at some point you've got to show me what this path is because i'm just yeah. <laughs> give us a sign it's, <laughs> but again that's the thing is it's like have faith it will come in its own time and and sometimes we're needing to do the inner work so that we can move on to that other path because it's going to ask something different of us. So it's, um, 
yeah do you get your own like in your dreams or your intuition do you get like a clairvoyant like a flash visual that you you could recognize later like it gives you those points on the path yeah i have this well i do so they are very visual um and and there's there is often sound to them as well but what i what i find um happens and this is probably in the last few years less before there'll be at certain points and i have i'm on this loop with a bit of the dream and we'll just keep replaying and we'll go back to the beginning and just go back and go back there's a there's a significance to it there's a meaning to it uh, and it often links to to my work or to something else that that needs to be kind of considered and it's almost as if it's showing me it from many different perspectives but also really making sure that it's imprinted on my mind as being something that's important to consider um and it, those are the things that I often i i get them at certain certain times during the night as well as probably certain different periods of time maybe when my rem sleepers i don't know but that's that for me is always a wake-up call going okay i need to pay attention to this um even though at the time i think it's like stop just tell me this again and again and again it's like you know please move on move on but actually yeah. <laughs> when i wake up i go oh no there's a reason why it kept because it's it's just allowed me to see all of these things. So yeah, it, a lot does come through dreams as well. Yeah, I I used to always ask, you know, about love. I stopped asking because it was all, the guides are always like, oh, six months. Like they said that all the time. It's been six months. It's been years. What are you talking about? It's like you're just trying to get me to look at life in the next six months at a time. Is that it? <laughs> I'm just like yeah. I and then I I. I stop asking because you can get addicted to that cycle when you want when you're craving something it isn't yes. happening and and instead i try to pull back and you know go to some dreams that have shown me it's just that it sometimes takes so long like you see it it feels real right now even many mediums might see the same thing but it might still take 15 20 years for them. yeah yeah and that you know that's just human time right you know, exactly very impatient <laughs> Exactly, and you know, spirits going up there, and, and, and for them, it's just a, that's just a flash. Exactly, fifteen years—that's nothing. Um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm. When I ask, I mean, the, the things that come in dreams, I think, are—they're just coming. I haven't really necessarily asked for anything. Um, obviously, I'm happy to receive mm -hmm. the guidance when it comes, and, and inviting that probably all the time. I'm mindful of. Uh, asking those very specific questions with which i know i've got quite an emotional investment to such as you know relationship yeah. or this or this not because i think it's not a good thing to do but just i know for myself it would be too easy for me to be pulled into what i want to hear yeah or what i don't want to hear yeah you know. craving an aversion <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. so yes. i just i'm yeah. just like you know what i'm just gonna trust those ones um but i will ask for for what I would like, mm -hmm. you know, I will put that out there. I will yes. set an intention that I would like to experience this, or I would like to receive this if possible. Yes. In this kind of way, I'm quite clear now because, you know, I've I've asked in the past. You know, I remember. And then you miss a detail. No, it's not <laughs> that. I no, I remember asking specifically. <laughs> I wanted to learn the lesson of discernment. Oh, oh, yikes! What a mask. Well, it's great. I've wanted yeah. this there. I mean, well. huge topic. <laughs> and you know, you're That's thinking. Quite a 
Exactly, you're sitting there all interesting thinking, I'm just going to have a meditation, I get this download, and that's going to be discernment, completely understood. Right. No, it came through an incredibly difficult relationship. Uh-huh. But actually, it's what I asked for in a, in a sense that I wanted to learn that, and that relationship really taught me that. Yeah. Um, I so did that I, once with the chakras. I okay. was like, well, let's clear my chakras. Okay, I wanted to, I want to clear the sacral. So I bring in all this orange and all these different things. And, oh, Lord, did life send me. Yeah. Those things. Like, it knocked me off my path. Yeah. So like, you know, careful what you wish for. Ask for it. <laughs> what you want to manifest, ask for it to come in chunks that you can handle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, set parameters on your ask. <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah. that we know what we do and what we don't want and um and you're right and make sure you talk about crystals i remember when you're going back a long long, long time <laughs> it's like lay all these kind of crystals on oh, yeah. and sort of, you know, the cleansing of it get up not ground properly and just sort of go and be completely disorientated <laughs> and useless and incoherent and probably have a blazing round with someone i gotta do this and it was just it's it's that out of body <laughs> yeah and part of it though again was this i think this desire for change to come quickly change to come quickly and there is a reason why we can't suddenly wake up completely different I and mean, we no. were quite scared if we could um the next day yes it does take time it has to be so that we can catch up with that change so that we yeah. can integrate it makes sense like a psychotic it. breakdown you know well, you, exactly. you can't shift your paradigm that quickly and integrate it. No. Yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, sort of if you shared a house with, with, with someone or whatever, and you, a housemate or whether it's a family member, and literally they woke up and you couldn't recognize them apart from their sort of their physical appearance, you couldn't recognize anything else about them. It'd be quite disturbing. Yes. Um, so, again, it's while we do want change, we can be a bit, it's about also remembering that it has to be in a metered, way in which we can manage it yes. and to stay grounded exactly and actually the more grounded i think we are the quicker the change can happen which i think for many people is a, a misconception yeah. and i need to be sort of up here yes this if i'm going to open and, and develop in Transcend this way and move forward. Of, exactly yeah. but actually the more grounded we are yeah also then the more we will be able to connect up here and receive and work with it in a very meaningful way i think it's in, yeah. it's 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 embodied in a different way yeah i think the more grounded we are the easier discernment becomes too because you feel it even viscerally it's yeah. not always trying to like intuitively figure figure or hear a message it's like no you you feel that person physically you can feel it someone asked you something and you're like yes sure no um yeah yeah so i totally agree yeah yeah so since we're on the season, uh, maybe we can wrap up on this question. Yeah. Because we're we're a day away from Samhain, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, the veils are thinner. And do you experience more at this time of year? Do you... Um, I notice other people experiencing more right whether they're Rest aware of it or not <laughs> um and um yeah i think i do but then maybe also for me it's a time of remembering it's a time of um yeah reflecting on um it's a time of being grateful for mm-hmm. um people in my life that have passed 
Um, and so maybe obviously in, in putting that intention and in having that in my mind, it kind of it, it makes that even more um, pronounced and present. Yeah. I don't so, find yeah. I get more, let's say, messages or no. um I'll notice it's more subtle. It's not like I have more clients saying, oh, I'm getting dreams of but there's definitely a feel, um, let's say more of a feeling of mystery, mysticism, a gateway, uh, uh, a changing of the guard. Or yeah. like I get more a mystical sense of like a lot of change in the air. This time mm -hmm. of year, and I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you're right. That's exactly what it is. Um, rather than it being just sort of messages or this, which almost that's, that's the more almost micro level. It's more yeah. of a macro level, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. Touching the mysteries or something in a more real way. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's also, it can be a, sort of just a, a preparation time as well mm -hmm. in coming into contact with those mysteries and experiencing these things in, in those kind of ways. It's like, oh, often I think it can herald um, a new phase of something that's, that's, that's going to, um, that's going to unfold. And it's almost sort of this time of year that's sort of just enabled or invited it to, to, to draw a little bit closer. Then it kind of unfolds again in its own time, in its own way. It's that cyclical um, element of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope you've had a chance to do some deep reflection. I hope you've found it interesting to listen to uh, two mediums having a deep discussion. I enjoy it thoroughly, and uh, I've really enjoyed knowing Jeremy as a, as a friend as well, a new friend. Um, I'm just going to his website, for those of you who are still listening, uh, everywherewegrow.net, and just to let you know, the site is beautiful and he has three different ways to work with him. So there's personal well-being coaching face-to-face -face online or Zoom. There's couples well-being coaching and there is intuitive well-being sessions. And that would be the one where it would include intuitive guidance or mediumship. Again, in person or face-to-face -face online or, or on Zoom. So... Um, I wish everybody a great day or great evening, depending when you're catching this. And I really um, hope that you have a wonderful experience of transformation for this full moon eclipse. All right. Take care.